Welcome to the latest edition of Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Friedman, joined by fellow Clevelander and rock and roll expert, Frank Host. Welcome back, Frank. Thanks for having me. This episode, Hall of Fame inductees 2002, Isaac Hayes, who was introduced by Alicia Keys, Brenda Lee, Gene Pitney, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Talking Heads, and the Ramones. Wow. Starting with Isaac Hayes, who could forget Shaft. What'd you think? Uh, love the song Shaft. Mm-hmm. Uh, my God. Uh, I remember the first time I heard it, I didn't even know where it had came from. It was like from another world. Now, I, yeah, I didn't know this, but he composed the music for the entire film. Yes, absolutely. And won an Oscar for Best Original Song and two Grammys as well. Cool Singer. We've talked about Cool Singers. Brian oh, Ferry yeah. and Marvin Gaye mm-hmm. and Robert Palmer. Co-wrote and uh, co-produced the Sam and Dave hit Soul Man with his songwriting partner David Porter which has been covered by dozens of artists, including Paul Revere and the Raiders and the Blues Brothers. He also co-wrote Deja Vu, the song by Dionne Warwick, which was produced by Barry Manilow, her comeback album, as it were, in 1979, and appeared in dozens of TV shows, video games, movies, commercials, as either himself or as a character, including Blues Brothers 2000 and South Park Video Game. What a career! The late Isaac Hayes had. Yeah, and he was kind of known as, uh, you know, the super stud. He had all the jewelry and everything. But uh, what I think I, I liked about him the most, he had, he had an ability to laugh at himself, too. And he didn't take himself too seriously. And uh, uh, his body of work, um, when you look at some of the Stax Volt stuff that he did and writing that he did, not only just performing, uh, really great stuff. Every year since the 60s, rocking around the Christmas tree has been a staple of any kind of Christmas stations that you listen to. That's Brenda Lee. Mm-hmm. She was our second inductee that night. Also, she um, sang the song I'm Sorry and All Alone Am I. She only stood four foot nine inches tall, but stood tall in the music industry, the rockabilly, the pop, country. You know, Brenda Lee had 47 chart hits in the 60s alone. Good grief. Bested only by Elvis, Ray Charles, and a group called the Eagles. She's in the Country Music Hall of Fame, too, and was inducted in 1997. I had no idea she had that vast a catalog. No, I, I wasn't that familiar with her, like you said, I, to, to know that she had that many hit records. I knew I'm Sorry and All Alone Am I, and Who Can Get Away mm-hmm. from Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. Did not know she was only four foot nine, but the 47 chart hits, obviously, that's country songs, too. But sure. that's an amazing run for her. Absolutely. Gene Pitney, Town Without Pity. I love that song. That was featured in uh, Look Who's Talking. Mm -hmm. It Hurts to Be in Love, nice little pop tune, 22 top 40 hits and 11 top 10 hits. I had no idea. See, these guys were a little before my time. Absolutely. Close to 60 albums. Oh my gosh. Compilations or originals, Gene Pitney. Tom Pitney and the Heartbreakers, introduced by Bob Dylan's son Jacob. First in the mud, Crutch. Later in uh, Traveling Wilburys was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Both inducted at the same time. That's interesting. Songs like American Girl, Breakdown, I Need to Know, Don't Do Me Like That, Refugee, Here Comes My Girl. He performed at Live Aid in 85 in tribute to the heroes of the 9-11 and 01. Certainly a well-deserving artist, wouldn't you say? Fantastic. And he was known, uh, probably most of all, as a great live performer. Yeah, he he was live. I never saw him live, but I've seen things subsequently and have a, a, a live album or two of his. It's really good. Great stuff. Eddie Vedder introduced the Ramones, the punk rock band from Queens, New York. I always thought they were from England, but no. No. Queens. Often cited as the first punk rock band with Blitzkrieg 
rock and I want to be sedated, signed to Sire Records, who were uh, big on signing our acts like that, and others, but the Pretenders, Depeche Mode. Madonna was Sire Records' biggest act. Uh, the Smiths as well. Unfortunately, by 2014, all four of the original members had died, and their mm. influence and importance has grown over the years as the years have progressed. The Ramones. Yeah, I, I didn't get it. I Let's put either. it that way. Uh, I have listened to some Ramones records. I know that there are a lot of people that just think the world of them and uh, credit them with kind of uh, uh, starting, like you said, the whole punk new wave thing. But to me, uh, I didn't get two minutes of just thrashing at the guitar. You know that A, oh, let's go. Yeah. That was uh, featured in uh, Vacation, the original And that was one. probably their biggest song, yeah. yeah. Talking Heads, introduced by Red Hot Chili Peppers' Anthony Kiedis, also under the umbrella of Sire Records. You like Talking right. Heads, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Their career kind of mirrored that of the, the Ramones, same record label, same city, same genre of music, but I think they had better success. They worked with Brian Eno for those great albums like Fear of Music, Remain in Light, more songs about buildings and food. All those songs we played quite a bit at the college radio station at OU, ACRN. Talking Heads, you ever see them in concert? I never did, and I, to this day, uh, when we talked about uh, our, our favorite live albums, uh, you know, I mentioned uh, Stop Making Sense, and boy, that's a fantastic one. And just about the time I was ready to see him, they quit touring, uh, and, you know, David Byrne's kind of do been doing his own thing ever since. David Byrne, their main songwriter, songs like uh, Life During Wartime, Once in a Lifetime, I love that one. Oh. Take Me to the River, a little overplayed, but still a good song. That mm-hmm. was uh, um, the cover, actually, of an Al Green tune from That's 1974, right. Burning Down the House, which was featured in the film Revenge of the Nerds. Mm-hmm. Frankie one-hit wonder time, the Dutch group Mouth and McNeil from 1972. Where were you when you were listening to How Do You Do? Oh, my God. I, I, can't, I can't forget that one. I'm not sure if that's a one-hit wonder as much as it's a not-so-great song or both. <laughs> <laughs> that was out right at the time of Brandy, Beautiful Sunday by Daniel Boone. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight in the spring, early summer of 72. It was number one in Get This Group of countries the netherlands belgium denmark switzerland and new zealand wow it was written or co-written by dutch composer and conductor harry von hoof i'll be darned yeah that's the first time we've mentioned harry's name yeah, definitely i don't know if you know mr von hoof but you do now it's actually a cover version which also hit number one in germany and the b-side was the land of milk and honey i'll be darned dancing in the moonlight by king harvest not King Crimson, but King Harvest, pop group from New York at number 13 with this song, released in October of 72. I remember listening to it on Wixie in the early part of winter of 73. still hear it once in a while. I always got it confused with moon dance, you know, it's uh, because (laughs) of the moon thing. And I got King Harvest confused with King Crimson. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Follow-up called A Little Bit of Magic Didn't Fare So Well. Frankie had only made as high as number 91 in the spring of 73. So the King Harvest uh, dream was over. over. Top five albums, we call it five and five. Some will overlap. 1972, our year. I'm going to start mine off with something, anything that's on your list as well, isn't it, Frankie? Absolutely. The, uh, what a fantastic oh, record. Double album set. Todd's third album as a solo artist, having been a member of Naz. 
He recorded in L.A. and New York City in Bearsville Studios, which is located just outside of Woodstock, New York. Bearsville was created by Albert Grossman, who happened to manage Bob Dylan, Janis Joplin, and the band. Todd was already an accomplished and in-demand record producer at the time, wasn't he? He already worked with uh, Badfinger. Definitely. Also set to, to produce Janis Joplin on her final album, Pearl, in 1971, but it fell through mm-hmm. when they found they couldn't get along. Todd has his own way of doing things. He is a genius, a wizard, a true star, but if it's not clicking with you, it's not going to work, is it? Absolutely not. He was uh, definitely uh, an individual, or is an individual. In fact, his biography called The Individualist, mm. he had a whole tour to support that a couple of years ago. Uh, it's a very interesting read. It's all it's broken down his uh, book into pages, uh, little essays, short essays about each song he wrote or what he was feeling at the time. Interesting biography from very interesting dude. Started working on some tracks in L.A., then moved back east and was writing almost nonstop to the point like it became a formula. He was a workaholic. He really was, whether it was right. in, as a, pro- a producer behind the glass or behind the microphone. He worked so much, uh, he put together his own little studio at home so he could continue to work and was just knocking out songs left and right to the point where he knew he could write hit songs. In fact, that's on the liner notes for something, anything. And the first side of it is, hello, it's me, and it wouldn't have made any difference. Mm -hmm. He said uh, he didn't like the moniker, the male Carol King. He liked Carol, but he didn't want to be known as the hit maker. Wanted to do his own thing, but something, anything was four sides of fantastic stuff. The last side recorded live at his home features the hit single, Hello, It's Me. Oh, what a fantastic record. Did you ever see Todd in concert? I know I have. Uh, yes, a number of times. I don't think you can be from Cleveland and not say you've seen Todd Rundgren. I don't think it's allowed. Correct. Dream Goes On Forever was a great tune. Our class mm-hmm. song, 1978. Just One Victory was awesome. Uh, Can We Still Be Friends? I loved. Um, you know, then the Waiting Game Parallel Line stuff he did in the in the mid to late 80s. All good. Right. I really liked 1980. He had to face the music, which was uh, kind of a Todd Rundgren's take on Beatles tunes. All under two minutes. I all remember great. that, yeah. Songs like Alone, I Just Want to Touch You. Great little tunes. Mm-hmm. He also had, kind of like at the same time, Compassion, which was all about religious beliefs and his spirituality. And right. he'll play a couple of those tunes. Uh, Compassion, I know he plays in concert during that individualist tour where he came to Palace Theater a couple of years ago. America is my number two. I'm going to talk about America and my next one, Jim Croce, because we haven't talked a lot about them. And It's a rock and roll show, but they certainly were at the top of the charts, the trio from the U.S. by way of London, where their fa- fathers were stationed. They got together in high school and were signed to a record deal in Warner Brothers records 1971 so that record label was not afraid to take a chance on some of these groups like them or james taylor were they right exactly and boy did it pay off for them (laughs) the album sold very well spending five weeks at the top of the u.s charts in 72 it followed up quickly in november that year with homecoming which was recorded in la at the record plant their debut album also produced by Ian Samwell, who had worked with Small Faces, The Dead, Zappa, John Mayle. America produced the next two albums before turning the reins over to a fellow we've heard before, George Martin. Oh, boy. I thought he was with them from the beginning, but no. Uh, but he did produce the big hits Sister Golden Hair and Tin Man and Daisy Jane. Okay. Uh, they had no trouble working with uh, all kinds of star power, including drummer Hal Blaine, who was credited with over 35,000 recording sessions and 6,000 singles in his career. He worked with Wrecking Crew, 
Uh, Simon and Garfunkel, The Birds, Neil Diamond, Frank Sinatra. He was on that wall of sound created by the late Phil Spector. Very talented, inducted in the inaugural Sideman category, which has since been renamed the Musical Excellence category, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And just a, a fantastic drummer, but the album America... A Horse With No Name, and I Need You were on that one in mm-hmm. 72. What would you think of America early on? I I love them. Uh, in fact, um, I saw them in concert a couple of times. Yeah. And they're a good band. And um, it was only later, kind of later in the, the, the uh, their career, where they kind of got a little bit of sameness to their, their songs, and things started to sound uh, like the last one. But early on, uh, they were quite a refreshing difference. We've talked about Jim Croce in the past. Hardworking guy, died way too young in the plane crash in 1973. But uh, he put out a catalog behind him. You Don't Mess Around With Jim was the album that was out in 1972. It spent a lot of time at the top of the charts. Maybe not the album, but the songs did. And um, It was recorded over just a four-week span, produced by Terry Cashman, who was uh, the singer and songwriter in Talking Baseball. Really? I did not know okay. that. Yeah. I didn't know that either. You don't mess around with Jim, Operator, Time in a Bottle, Long Time Ago, Hey Tomorrow. Wow. New York's Not My Home. <laughs> did very well. Number one in the Billboard Hot 200 album chart. And number one in Canada, too. Speaking of terrific drummers, Jim didn't have any trouble working with a fellow named Gary Chester, who was a prolific drummer as well. Session work, Stand By Me, Up on the Roof, Caramia. Sugar, Sugar, and hundreds of other songs okay. in the 60s and 70s. So if you need a drummer, Hal Blaine and Gary Chester were the guys that were called upon back in those days. The Eagles had their debut album in 1972, just like Jackson Brown and America mm-hmm. and Steely Dan, Jim Croce. There was definitely a different sound coming out yeah, that year. Yeah, the California sound yeah, that replaced absolutely. the Beach Boys surfing sound of right. California. The Eagles recorded this one in London. I did not know that. They recorded uh, the Eagles' debut album in London, England. Hmm. Take It Easy was co-written by Jackson Brown, and they'd also have that uh, that big album of his, the debut one, which featured Dr. My Eyes that year. Peaceful, Easy Feeling, Witchy Woman, produced by Glenn Johns, who had produced or engineered songs and recordings by Zeppelin, The Stones, The Who. The Who, <laughs> yeah. You're going to start out, and they say... Who's going to produce your first album? Well, how about Glenn Johns? He's worked with uh, Linda Ronstadt, <laughs> the Easy Beats, the Stones, Blue Oyster Cult, many others. I'd say yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, Johns was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the Music Excellence category in 2012, and we go on to produce their next two albums, Desperado. We talked about the Cowboy album that Asylum Records flipped over. That's right. And on the border, before things uh, turning things over to Bill, Bill Simchick. So the Eagles got off to a good start, but take it easy. Take it easy, side one, cut one, just yeah. like something, anything, with uh, Todd Rundgren and uh, the song I Saw the Light. Mm-hmm. They always put the hits number one. That Todd said, sure just do. like at Motown, <laughs> right <laughs> off the bat. Good way to start your career, though. And for me, Steely Dan, Kent by a Thrill, it, they were our featured artist in season one, released in November of 72, so it counts. Uh, do It Again, Dirty Work, Reeling in the Years, the album peaked to number 17 in the U.S. I thought it did better, but that's okay. Steely Dan, I don't think really cared about record sales especially then they seem to they kind of repackaged their career uh for the ricky don't lose that number album uh dirty work vocals by david palmer who would uh, write the lyrics for carol king's hit jazz man yeah and i think that was one of the few um songs they ever did where uh, donald fagan wasn't the lead singer yeah he didn't think his voice was strong enough to 
carry the torch for live tours and stuff. So David Palmer really pitched in at the in the early days. Mm-hmm. So you know that great song "Jazz Man" at number two by oh, Carol yeah. King, and guess who played saxophone on that one? Oh yeah, our old friend Tom Scott. Tom Scott. Okay, Frankie, your top five. I know Something Anything was one of them. Right, and uh, Can't Buy a Thrill, I agree with you totally. That came at us as a full-born group. Um, they didn't sound like it was their first record. They sound like they've been making them for 20 years. And, of course, Reeling in the Years has the famous uh, Elliot Randall um, guitar solo that's been uh, uh, loved for years, one of the greatest. Um, after that... Um, my favorites, uh, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars by Mr. David Bowie. Yeah. Uh, the first time we really heard from him, his first major hit broke him here in the United States. And, uh, boy, what great stuff on there. Um, Moon Age Daydream and Suffragette City. And, I mean, there were just five years, just great stuff. And uh, he worked for uh, RCA Records, and that leads me into my next one, which is uh, Transformer by Lou Reed. Mm-hmm. Lou Reed, who had uh, put out uh, earlier in the year, he'd put out his first solo album and it just tanked, just as all the Velvet Underground records that were so um, so wonderful also tanked. Nobody mm-hmm. was buying them. And at that point, he was ready to give up rock music. He had no intention of making another record. It's Nobody's buying it. Why should I bother? And it was at that time, because he was on RCA Records, that uh, Mick Ronson and David Bowie came to him and said, we, you're one of our uh, you know, influences. You've got to be recording. We'll even go into the studio and help you. So they not only produced the album, but they sang and played on the album. And that would become Transformer, which would become his greatest solo hit. Um, Walk on the Wild Side, Vicious, uh, Satellite of Love, Perfect Day. What a fantastic record that was. And uh, kind of neat that it kind of blended in with the Ziggy Stardust uh, Thing. And led him right to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Exactly. And then finally, um, not my usual cup of tea, but I did pick out Deep Purple Machine Head. Um, usually I find that a little bit uh, on the hard edge for me, but I mean, Machine Head is probably the most lyrical um, heavy metal band or heavy metal record I've ever heard. Now we're not and talking the Machine Head by Bush in the 90s. No. No. This is a different machine head. This the album which featured uh, Smoke in the Water, Smoke right? on the Water, Highway great Star. Yeah, great tunes. I mean, geez. Uh, you, you just listen to that. There's so much uh, so much great playing on there, the organ playing, uh, guitar playing, Richie Blackmore. Uh, just fantastic. Uh, John Lord on the uh, uh, doing the singing chores. Um, what a fantastic group. And it was their, they were at their peak of their abilities. And they'd written one of the greatest riffs in rock and roll history, Smoke on the Water. When that song was out in the summer of 73, talk about a great summer song. Oh, my a God. boiling hot day. You can it's see the smoke coming off of Lake Erie. It's all you ever heard that summer. <laughs> great album, man. I'm uh, very deserving, and I'm glad that they were inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame. I know that we still have a few bands and artists that need to get in, but Absolutely. that one made me very happy. Yeah, me too. Some top singles from 1972. That was a good year for me, single-buying-wise. It was a good year. Taxi, that's 6-minute, 44-second masterpiece. 
Written by Harry Chapin, one of my all-time favorites, and talk about great in concert. Oh, my in God. In demand and, and just fantastic. Great storyteller. Uh, another one that I missed in concert, uh, and I'm sure I would have gotten around to, but then uh, he left us way too early, way too early. in that uh, uh, auto accident. Yeah, he was on his way to perform mm-hmm. at a benefit in New York. Died in July of 1981. He, he performed at those smaller venues. I think he would have been fantastic at uh, Front Row Theater. Oh, yeah. Just a tremendous storyteller, great in concert. That song, Taxi, I know they did the, the follow-up, the sequel, um, later on, but I love that song. I love the song, and um, Big John Wallace doing the... Uh, the high part. The high part yeah. in the middle. Uh, fantastic. It's fantastic. Jackson Brown, Doctor My Eyes, really jumped out, didn't he? I know he had co-written Take It Easy, but boy, he was good. Elton John's Rocket Man. That's the first time I really started hearing Elton John and liking him, and that was from Honky Chateau. Great album, great song, early part of 72, summertime. Just getting going with your summer vacation. Yeah, and that was the one that really kind of set him loose on the on the singles end of things. Mm-hmm. He, he was known, and Ed Men Across the Water was certainly a great record, but this is what broke him in the top 40. In the fall, Mata Hoople, All the Young Dudes. Remember that one? Good oh, tune. Love that tune. Bill another Withers, another David Bowie. <clears throat> another tune. David Bowie. <laughs> Bill Withers had Use Me and Lean on Me. Lean on Me came out in the summer like when Rocket Man was out. Bill Withers, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. Great songs. Great stuff from him. Uh, the year before was um, Ain't No Sunshine. I don't know I how know, many times know, he said, I know, I know, I know yeah. 18 or something yeah. like that, all one breath. Roberta Flack at the time had the quietest record ever recorded. According to Casey Kasem, number one for the entire year, first time ever I saw your face featured in that movie by Clint Eastwood, played Misty for me. Al Green, let's let's stay together. I love mm. Al Green. The Reverend Al Green. Smooth as silk. Seals and Crofts, Summer Breeze. Another one of those songs where a man comes home from work and the, the nice wife has dinner waiting for him <laughs> <laughs> out at the same time as I am woman. Sometimes they'd play them back-to-back on Wixie. That's right. they did, stuff like that. Mac Davis, Baby Don't Get Hooked on Me. Love that song. Love Mac Davis. Don McLean's American Pie and Vincent, all out in 1972. Good years for that. And the Hollies, Long Cool Women, written by Roger Cook, Roger Greenaway, and the Hollies, Ellen Clark. Uh, Cook and Greenaway wrote all those hits before My Baby Loves Lovin' and Like to Teach the World to Sing. Oh, Okay. Alan Clark, the lead singer and founding member of the Hollies. Great that's tune. Right. For my money, that's the best uh, intro of any rock uh, hit song of all time. For Boy, yeah, what I love a that fantastic song. intro that is, too. Frankie, new feature of ours on this day in rock, April 12th. Bob Dylan performed his first major solo concert. Town Hall in New York City. I'll be dying. We have Bob Dylan as one of our featured artists here pretty soon. Uh, Jan Berry of Jan and Dean crashed his car near Dead Man's Curve, which is by Beverly Hills, or in Beverly Hills. Suffered severe head injuries with this, so no joke. Oh, my. Spent a couple months in a coma. Remember that song, Dead Man's Curve? Absolutely, I remember. His accident occurred in 1966. Bad Company released Can't Get Enough in 1974. And Sonny Bono was elected mayor of Palm Springs in 1988. <laughs> That's right. Birthdays, Vince Gill, 1957, great country music star. Uh, started out as the lead singer and uh, songwriter for Pure Prairie League. That's right. Late 70s, early 80s, Let Me Love You Tonight. David Cassidy, late David Cassidy, talk about uh, Tiger Beats. Uh, hit Magazine Man, 1950 was when he was born. Partridge Family fame. Oh, my God. 
the Indigo Girls, uh, Amy Ray, if you're into the Indigo Girls like I am, I like them. They're, they're good. They're good mm-hmm. in concert, too, 1964. John Kay of the Steppenwolf Band, the front man, 1944. Tiny Tim was born. Good grief. On April 12th, 1932. Oh, my God. Was he that old? That old. Wow. Tomorrow's birthday belongs to Max Weinberg, drummer for the E Street Band. Yep. April 13th. Mighty Max. Featured artists Frankie Hart, Anna Nancy Wilson. They weren't in the band originally, but boy, I love their music. What a fantastic uh, group they were. Inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2013. Seattle-based band formed in the late 60s. Early names were White Hart, Hocus Pocus. That's when Ann joined. Uh, Started out as a much different group with original members. Don Wilhelm on guitar, keyboards, lead vocals. Steve Fawson on bass. Roger Fisher played guitar. Bopped around the Seattle area. Playing the clubs, the bars, the taverns, high school, uh, dances and stuff. Into the early 70s, didn't do much until Ann joined the band. Boy, once they did, absolutely, they really got, got it together. Her father was in the Marines, so they originally were all over the place, and they settled in Seattle in the early 60s. When Ann joined, the band was known as White Heart, and then they became Hocus Pocus, and then finally the group named Heart. Nancy joined in 1974 after the band had changed its name. Then they moved to Vancouver. And they recorded their first album, Dreamboat Annie. Oh, now, some of these uh, groups we've talked about, record. like uh, Genesis, who will be our featured artist next time around, mm-hmm. had four or five albums before even anybody heard about them, except sure. for the UK. They weren't even charting here. When your first album is Dreamboat Annie, you're destined for something, aren't you? That's right. Absolutely. Dreamboat Annie, 1975, late in the year. It had its most success in 76. Crazy on You, Magic Man, and of course the title cut, which I love, Dreamboat Annie. Oh. Great tune. That's one of my top uh, three or four. What are your top favorite? What are your favorite heart songs? Just off the top of your head, if you think. Uh, just thinking like Dog and Butterfly, yeah. maybe Even It Up. One of those songs like that. Yeah, I like I like that one. Anything from Dog and Butterfly is great. Mm-hmm. Um, their later later stuff, which we'll get to in a minute too. Uh, they had a large boost when they stepped in at the last minute to be the opening act for Rod Stewart at a show in Montreal. So really, they not only had a great album, but they were opening up for Rod Stewart at the last minute. Yeah, they got a little bit of luck in there. Magazine and Little Queen, both in 77, were up next. They ran into some trouble with their record label, Mushroom. So they moved over to a Columbia subsidiary named Portrait. And Barracuda, Little Queen, Kick It Out, Heartless, all appearing on that classic rock playlist. And oh, absolutely. Classic rock, rock loves that group, don't they? And wh- it's fun because when you go back and look at those records, almost every one of them had two or three really nice songs on there. Then Dog and Butterfly, 1978. Straight mm-hmm. on, Cook with Fire. Sounded live, Cook with Fire, but actually wasn't. They added those audience sounds later on. I saw the Dog and Butterfly tour, one of the shows that came to... Uh, Huntington, when I was down in Athens, so we saw a firefall open for Hart. And Mark Andes, remember, he used to be in Spirit. Oh, yeah. With uh, Got a Line on You and later on that Mr. Skin song. He was with Firefall at the time, but then they he would end up joining Hart during the time they let a couple of band members go in the mid-'80s. And then when Hart was starting to have a little trouble charting, they had albums like Private Audition and Baby Lestrange and mm-hmm. Even It Up and, you know, songs that, like that, uh, Passion Works, their seventh studio album. How Can I Refuse? It was did pretty well in the U.S., but, you know, not, not so great. 
I really like Passion Works only because How Can I Refuse was a really good tune. Right. It also featured our friends from Toto, Steve Picaro and David Page, uh, who had had their ups and downs as well with Toto right sure. around that time. They started making a comeback, though, by then. Almost Paradise um, and stepped out on her own, working with uh, Mike Reno, mm-hmm. who was the Loverboy singer and featured on the soundtrack to Footloose in early 84, top 10 single for them. Then... Mark Andes joined, and Hart was on their way again in 1985 with the album self-titled Heart, sold over 5 million copies, and they adopted more of a metal sound as opposed to a, a folk rock sound that they that they were kind of going after in those uh, those days in the early 80s, capitalizing on that glam rock and the hair bands. So Mark Andes, formerly of Firefall, and JoJo Gun, Gun and Spirit uh, started working with Hart. Uh, they moved over to Capitol Records in 1985. String hits from that album, What About Love, Nothing At All, Never, and my favorite, there's These Dreams. Mm-hmm. If I could sing that well as Nancy did with a cold, I'd have it made. Exactly. She sounded fantastic. A little raspy, but that made that song, didn't it? It sure did. So my favorites were These Dreams, Crazy On You, I liked uh, Dreamboat Annie, What About Love, oh. Dog and Butterfly. You can't go wrong. Very strong live performances over the years. Very strong. And sang Stairway to Heaven at the Kennedy Center Honors. We talked about that when they were um, giving a tribute to Led Zeppelin. Anne's done a lot of projects and tours on her own over the years. She battled weight gain, liver disease, cocaine, right. and alcohol abuse. But uh, she says she's been sober, sober for over a decade now. That's great. And so sometimes, as is the case with um, family members, especially if you're touring with them, and hanging with them all the time. Oh, they get together, they kind of have a disagreement, and then they get back together again. They do mm-hmm. their own thing. Anna and Nancy Wilson, no different. Uh, kind of, I guess, the, the Osmonds, the Jackson Five, even the DeFranco family probably had trouble <laughs> <laughs> staying together. It's hard enough with friends and whatever on the road, but Anna and Nancy, um, you know, kind of still recording, and they have a, a recording studio in Seattle called Bad Animals Recording. They're very heavily active in the Seattle music uh, scene, as they have been all throughout the years. Okay. Getting bands going, nurturing some new bands, and they, uh, Bad Animals Recording Studio has also been the home to Neil Young, R.E.M., Pearl Jam, and others. Wow. Yeah, I did not know that. But Nancy Wilson, you know, These Dreams was co-written by Bernie Taupin. I didn't know that, but I it was. I didn't realize yeah. that Offered either. to Stevie Nicks, who turned it down. It's funny how you never know. That's right. These Dreams was uh, one of two singles to hit number one here. The other one was Alone in 1987. That was sung by That's right. And Nancy worked with uh, Cameron Crowe. She was married to for a while and also uh, scored the film Jerry Maguire. Heard about that one. And also did the musical score for the film Almost Famous and other films like Vanilla Sky. Really? So Nancy Wilson, very talented in her own right as a solo performer. I didn't realize she had that much to do with uh, Almost Famous. Huge tours, reunion tours, taken a hiatus from performing, then they've gotten back together, still going at it today. They've sold over 35 million albums to date worldwide. Yeah, and they definitely wear that that Led Zeppelin influence on their sleeve. I know I've heard uh, a number of different uh, cover tunes, such as Stairway to Heaven, Battle of Evermore is another one I've heard them do. Uh, Just love them. Yeah, me too. Next up, we'll continue our rundown of Hall of Fame inductees on Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations, featuring Frank Ost, this time 2001, very strong class Frankie. It included Paul Simon 
and Steely Dan. Wow. We'll walk down memory lane with the top albums from 1980 in the spotlight, and our featured artist will be one of your favorites and mine, Genesis. Genesis. We'll also talk about the solo work that uh, Phil Collins and Mike Rutherford have done over the years, so mm-hmm. and Peter Gabriel as well, and okay. Steve Hackett. So I'm not sure, did Tony Banks do anything solo? He did, actually. Okay. I think everybody in the band yeah. at least had one solo out So that'll be our featured artist next time around here on Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. We appreciate your listening, and thanks for your downloads. We'll see you next time.